I was uh, enjoying that song way too much to get wired up on time, and all of a sudden I realized it's, uh, it's my turn. Ay, ay, ay. <clears throat> so anyways, there you go. Now you got to watch me get wired up. Uh, this whole earpiece actually caused a bit of a problem today because uh, <laughs> I realized that Jesse's ear and my ear are very different shapes. I had never known that before, but when I took this thing and I wanted to use it today, um, it was a completely different shape than what I was normally used to. Does this look, is this about right now? Okay, good. <clears throat> uh, thank you, thank you Mike and Alyssa, although they probably left. But thank you so much for leading us in that uh, kids singing. That was a fantastic way to, uh, I just feel like the songs and everything have already kind of really helped us to move into the uh, sense or the feeling, the tone, the spirit of, of church and what it's all about to, to be a church family. And so thank you for doing that together with us and thank you for leading us in that. That's been, that's been good. It's been fantastic. We got to do a little road trip this last, uh, over the last weekend and into this week and uh, we had a really, really good time. Um, and in everything that we saw and experienced, uh, I was reminded again of, uh, of God's intention for church. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you. We, uh, we began our little road trip by last week, Thursday, a, week, uh, a little over a week ago, by flying into, into Vegas. Now, not everything in Vegas reminds me of church, I have to, uh, have to be honest. And, uh, and I hope that you're not going to be too, too distracted by that, but I'm just kind of giving you the beginning here, and so, and so don't, let that, don't let that fool you. Work with me a little bit. Um, leave the negative tone of Vegas alone for just a few moments. Uh, I, I really, uh, I had never been to Vegas before, and, um, and so I was, I was kind of, and I, and I think for the most part, whoever goes there, if you can kind of leave the negative tones of some of what goes on there behind and just kind of drink in uh, the creativity of the architects and the engineers in building everything on the Strip. Uh, it really, really is incredible. And, uh, and so from the golden structure of the three-wing uh, Mandalay Hotel where we got to stay for one night, uh, to New York, New York, to the fountains of the Bellagio, probably uh, kind of our favorite, and the amusement park on top of the stratosphere, the medieval-themed Excalibur, the vastness of Caesar's Palace, the Egyptian theme of the Luxor Pyramid, the newly constructed Cosmopolitan or Encore or City Center or Wynn, the resort's world and the Drew still under construction. It really is absolutely uh, breathtaking. Um, the bricks and the mortar and the glass, the glitz and the glamour, uh, human modern day creative architecture and infrastructure at its finest. Uh, that's a pretty good description of Vegas, eh? There we go. Should really be selling tickets here today, right? <laughs> I'm not getting any commission on this, by the way. Uh, like I said, leave the negative out of it for a moment, and you cannot help but stand and marvel. It really, really is amazing. Uh, we were not there very long. We, we moved on relatively quickly. Six o'clock the next morning after our arrival in Vegas, we began our drive towards San Francisco. And again, uh, amazing, totally amazing, in a very, very different way. All the different uh, landforms and vegetation that we saw in the next few days was really quite astounding. Uh, dry foothills with low, scrawny shrubs and cactus to towering peaks, some appearing to be as smooth as a baby's bottom, others jagged, like, uh, you know, similar to the Rocky Mountains. 
from lush valleys with towering trees to desolate desert with huge wind-blown sand dunes. In one day, within a couple of hours, we saw the highest peak in the lower 48 states, Mount Whitney, at 14,500 feet. We drove the highest mountain pass in California, the Tioga Pass, at almost 10,000 feet above sea, le sea level. And within hours of each other, we drove the lowest paved road in North America, Highway 190, uh, 190, winding its way through Death Valley at over 200 feet below sea level. This was, a, this was kind of a new revelation for me. We're a couple of hundred miles inland from the coast, and we're driving at over 200 feet below sea level. Kind of crazy. Um, and uh, I guess rocket science tells you, uh, or it doesn't need rocket science to tell you, that we drove everything in between. If we were at 10,000 feet and we were at minus 200 feet, uh, we were everywhere in between also. And so the differences within a couple of hours, the vast differences uh, were incredible. Not just in landform, not just in elevation. Uh, along with that were many other significant differences. Uh, precipitation, for one. And again, probably you can guess that Death Valley is, uh, is one of the lowest, uh, has one of the lowest recorded precipitations on, all, on the entire earth, actually. Um, there were three, are three years on record uh, that where Death Valley had no recorded precipitation at all. None. Um, during a period of uh, just over three years in the 30s, Death Valley, in, in, in three and a half years, Death Valley had half an inch of rain, total. Um, within two hours, approximately driving, there's the Tioga Pass, and it's not at all uncommon for, uh, for, uh, for the road to be shut down in Tioga Pass because of extreme snowfall. Uh, huge, huge uh, snow drifts on either side of the road. We were pretty sure, we were sure to check out uh, whether or not, even before we left, whether or not the road was going to be open because it's not uncommon for the middle of November for that pass to already have days where it is shut down because of extreme snowfall. So again, the vast differences, elevation, uh, precipitation, temperature. Uh, it won't surprise you either to note that, uh, or to know that Death Valley has, you know, some of the highest recorded temperatures. In fact, if my sources are correct, Death Valley has, and I don't actually know exactly what this means, has the highest ever recorded ambient, that's the word that I don't know what it means, you can help me later, ambient air temperature recorded anywhere on earth. 1913, 134 degrees Fahrenheit air temperature on the surface of the earth. Uh, again, a couple of hours away to Yoga Pass, like I said before, not at all uncommon to be shut down because of extreme snowfall. So you've got temperature, vast temperature differences, you've got vast precipitation differences, um, elevation differences. It won't surprise you to also know that there's obviously huge difference in the type of vegetation that you see or the lack of vegetation that you see. Death Valley actually has nothing. If you think Saskatchewan has nothing, Except the football team, well... <laughs> if you think Saskatchewan has nothing for vegetation, Saskatchewan is the tropics compared to Death Valley. Death Valley has nothing. And it's actually quite breathtaking in and of itself. 
to be in a place like that where there really honestly is nothing. And it cannot sustain anything. A vast different. And then, not that day, but the next day, driving into the redwood forests of California, towering trees on either side of the road. We didn't get to see the biggest ones, apparently, according to the company that we had, but uh, we were still, Pearl and I were still pretty impressed. Um, towering trees, redwoods, uh, eucalyptus trees, amazing uh, sequoia, I think I'm saying that right. And so the vegetation difference, again, just absolutely incredible. How does all of that remind me? I, I started all of this off by saying it reminded me of church. How does all of that remind me about church? Well, I guess the, the, the word different. The vast differences, and yet all created by God. I don't think he loves any one part of it better than he loves any of the other parts of it. We have our favorites when it comes to, to this earth and, and the things that have been created and even the man-made stuff, like I said, beginning, uh, started off with the, with the Vegas stuff. Uh, all of the vast differences that we saw, I, I just over and over am astounded at the diversity of God. And how all of that together reflects God. That's nature, that's creativity, that's architecture. Uh, of course, you know that the same holds true when it comes to people. Um, different, different, different. You guys are all different. That doesn't come as, again, as a surprise to any of you. Every single one of you is, you look different. Um, you think different. If I could smell, I would say you smell different. Uh, you dress different. Uh, we are all uh, different. God created us. And, and not just the 200 of us that are here. But conservative estimates would say that there's been 13 billion people on earth, approximately, give or take, since the beginning of time. Every single one of which is different. If that doesn't take creativity, then, then uh, I don't know. Incredible. God's creativity and his desire for, for different. God, I, I think I'm pretty safe in saying God likes different. He loves different. 10,000 different species of fish in the world, almost 30,000 species of insects, 100 or 1,000 species of animals, another 3,000 species of birds, none of which are the same. Different colors, different sounds, different smells, different shapes, different habits, different natures, different, different, different. I, I don't know, I can't help but say, wow. Wow. And then I'd like to say we need the full scope of all of creation, plants, animals, fish, birds, landforms, temperature, precipitation, human architecture, and people to even get close to capturing how great God is. And I think we could say the same about the church. We need all of you. We need all of us. With all of our differences, different gifts and talents and abilities, different ways of praying and worshiping and reading and thinking and speaking, different ways of serving and blessing and reflecting God's grace, all of that together to even begin to come close to reflecting who God is. To even come close to reflecting or being 
his body. We need to do that together. So today we get to celebrate community. We get to celebrate being different, but, or yet, being together. And I believe that is so God-ordained. Different, but together. For several weeks now, we've been working together at our community covenant, and today we want to symbolize with each other, or to each other, as a church, we want to symbolize our commitment to each other by putting our names on this new copy of our community covenant. As we celebrate community, we also want to take time to celebrate communion. Probably, again, isn't surprising to any of you. I hope some of you already took note of the fact that the word community and communion are actually relatively the same. They come from similar or the same root words. The word communi- or communion comes from two root words. The first one is the word commune. That word means to feel in harmony with. We're going to get back to that in just a moment. The other word is the word union or being united, which means bringing two parts together. Communion is a symbol of being brought together or having been brought together. Maybe one of the most interesting little side stories to the death of Jesus, uh, in my mind, is the tearing of the curtain in the temple. Not sure if that captivates you the way it does me. Um, It says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 15, 51, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. See, the way the temple was built back then, it screamed of separation. There was separation. The back of the temple, holy of holies, that's where God lived. And everybody understood that that's where God lived. No person goes there except for the temple carrying the blood of the sacrifice one day of the year. And even then, he walked into there with fear and trembling. But there's, it's, there was huge separation. That's where the holy God is. And then there was this huge curtain, some scholars would say up to a foot thick. It screamed of separation, the dividing line. There's something between where the holy God is and where we normal people are. Separation, division, divided. And it says that the moment when Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. That, to me, that's, a, that's an incredible kind of a side note to this Actually, it's a very central part, and yet it's kind of a little side element to this amazing story of Jesus' death on the cross. The temple curtain being split, torn in two from top to bottom. And it symbolized that the separation is no more. There is now a union, the bringing together of two parts. Humanity and a holy God are no longer separated. And if you take a look at the verses in the bulletin in Colossians chapter 1, there's a neat little little description in there about the body of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, causing this, this, this overcoming of the separation. There will no longer bringing two parties together, union. 
the bringing together of two parts. That is what the death of Jesus on the cross did. And that is a huge part of what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. And so it's the union, the bringing together of two parts. The other little part is the word commune. And that word um, is, is, is the word that means to be in harmony with. Now it's kind of a, it's actually almost a little bit of a scary word, the word commune in this day and age because we kind of get the, uh, the connotations of, a, of a, maybe a cult or, or a place where, this is very interesting, a place where there's kind of a dictator and everybody else is kind of like blindly following this dictator that's in charge of everybody and in control of everyone. Now the, the interesting thing is the word commune actually means the exact opposite. And so I'm not totally sure why that word applies in that type of a scenario because the word commune means in har- everybody in harmony with. And so it's not in control of, it's in harmony with, which is actually the definition of the word commune. Now it's, there's an interesting little side note again to the, the death of Jesus on the cross or actually the the what just precedes the death of Jesus on the cross, when the disciples and Jesus were having what we would kind of call the first communion, their last supper together, um, after they've participated in parts of that last supper, um, by the time the, the, the supper is kind of done, and the disciples are, are engaging in conversation, the, the conversation has kind of digressed into talking about, according to the Luke chapter 22 uh, recording of the story, the conversation has kind of digressed into a, a conversation about who's the greatest among them. Who's, who's the big guy? Who's the one that's in charge? And Jesus kind of takes advantage of this moment. He's, he listens to them for a while, and then Jesus speaks up and he says, um, in verse 25 and 26 of Luke chapter 22, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. They exercise control for the sake of personal gain. And then here's verse 26. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. In harmony with. And I would not be surprised at all if at that very moment, although Luke chapter 22 doesn't record that part, but I wouldn't be surprised if at that very moment is when Jesus gets up from the table and does the John chapter 13 foot washing, which also happens at that time together. And Jesus uh, just speaks to them and says, that's not how you are supposed to act. And then he gets up from the table and he goes and he gets a basin of water. And then he comes back into their presence again. And he, first of all, dresses himself like a servant. He takes off his outer garments, it says in John chapter 13. And then he assumes the position of a servant. He gets down on his knees. And then he does the job of a servant. He washes all their feet. And then when he's done, he looks at them and he says, Do you get it? That is community. That is commune. Where we all serve each other. There's no one above the other and no one beneath the other. We are in harmony here together. Together we live in harmony. We are all together because of Jesus' love, all equally dependent on the sacrifice of the body of Jesus for our forgiveness. Jesus says, where the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. That is harmony. That is true commune living. 
in union with and in common in union with him and in common with each other and that really is what we want to celebrate here today in union with him communion in common with each other community covenant so we're going to invite you to come and if you are a regular attender here, we're going to kind of do this, and it might be a little bit chaotic, and that's totally, totally fine. The worship team is going to come on up in just a minute and lead us in uh, singing while we do this. And a uh, new version of our community covenant up here. Wording is the same, just a little bit of a different background. And uh, there's a couple of Sharpie markers uh, on the side here. And so we're going to invite you. There's not going to be order to this. Uh, Darren doesn't like order. Darren likes chaos. So we're going to do it in a chaotic way. One little part that will be ordered. Come down the aisle this way and go back to your seats that way. We'll try and at least have a little semblance of order for those of you that need that um, to feel good about how life is working. Um, so we invite you to come forward and to put your name on the com community covenant. There's nothing legal about this. This is a symbol. This is a symbol of our commitment to each other uh, uh, to, to be in harmony with. And then uh, communion tables on both sides here. And so uh, participate in communion to be in union with. Brought into union with uh, him, Jesus. And so you can participate in communion on either side and then, uh, and then head on back to your seats. Now, I want to be very clear about this. There may be some visitors here today or those of you that are not totally familiar or comfortable with the community covenant. Uh, please, 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 you're not disqualified from participating either direction. If you prefer to only do this but not communion, that's totally fine. If you prefer to do communion but not this, that's totally fine. This is all symbolic. This is a symbol of us being a church family together. This is a symbol of us being united with Christ through his death on the cross. And so it's all symbolic and there's no judgment about which you participate in or don't participate in. Uh, we just want to symbolize to each other uh, that we are a family of believers committed to each other, saved by the death of Jesus on the cross, brought together, brought in union with. And so I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to come and lead us, and, uh, and I, I'm going to ask you, don't, don't all rush to the front. Let's, let's kind of leave room here. We're going to keep going as long as we need to for all of you to have an opportunity, so there's no panic to get here. Uh, but if some of you want to start, and then, uh, and then we'll just keep going until everybody's had an opportunity. Uh, uh, that way so and parents you're more than welcome to bring your kids along to participate in the communion part of it and uh, we'll go from there so let's pause and um, and pray together God thank you so much for who you are thank you that you are God thank you that you are a holy God we don't want to forget that even though the dividing line has been erased the separation is gone, but it's because of your death on the cross. You are a holy God, and we worship you as a holy God. We thank you for being holy and awesome. We also thank you for pouring out your love and your grace on us by your death on the cross, allowing us to come to you. Thank you, Jesus. As we participate in communion in the bread and the grape juice here today, we do that in recognition of the incredible sacrifice, your death on the cross. We do that in thanksgiving for the opportunity to be united with you without separation because of our sinfulness. And so we thank you for that. We also thank you for the incredible creation 
the way that you created and the way that you ordained that your body would be a church where people would be committed to each other, where they would be in harmony with each other, where, where there would not be control, where there would not be um, uh, people one above the other, where everybody would be on equal playing field. And today as we commit ourselves to each other in the context of this church family, I pray again for your Holy Spirit to bless us as we do that. This is about reflecting who you are and giving thanks for what you've done. And so in Jesus' name, I thank you. God bless us. Amen.